section six of sikh religion volume five by max arthur mcauliffe this librivox recording is in the public domain the life of guru gobind singh chapter six after the battle the guru went to where lay the bodies of sango shah jit mal and his other brave fallen sikhs he ordered the slain on both sides to be disposed of the bodies of the sikhs were cremated of the hindus thrown into the adjacent river and of the mussulmans buried with all solemnity bards assembled and chanted their praises sayyid budu shah presented himself and his two surviving sons to the guru the guru said i hail thee as a true priest of god thy human life is profitable unto thee deem not that thy sons are dead nay they shall live for ever only those die who despise god's name and turn cowards on the field of battle budu shah replied true king i mourn not for my sons who are slain because in the first place they have gone to enjoy seats in paradise and secondly because they have lost their lives in defence of thee such a boon is not obtained even by the greatest austerities the guru considered how he should requite budu shah for his supreme devotion to his cause he decided that as worldly possessions were fleeting the gift of god's name was the highest reward of all and so that inestimable boon he duly conferred on him but he made him other gifts also the guru at the time was combing his long hair and a servant stood by holding his turban when the guru had performed his toilet he laid his comb with loose hair in it upon the turban and presented them to budu shah to preserve in remembrance of him he also gave him a small knife which sikhs usually carry and finally a sum of five thousand rupees to distribute among his disciples the guru's turban his comb hair and knife are preserved as relics in the sikh state of nabha they were acquired from budu shah's descendants by raja barpur singh the guru remembered his cousins sango shah and jitmal and proclaimed them brave and puissant warriors who had taken their seats in heaven he bade their brothers not mourn for them the brothers replied for whom should we mourn sango shah and jitmal have fought and obtained the dignity of salvation war means either to kill or be killed and there is no need to mourn the consequences the guru rewarded all those who had risked their lives for him and contributed to his signal and decisive victory when the guru's fame extended after his recent success and prowess in arms he was visited by many accomplished persons poets singers and musicians flocked to his court and all who visited him he endeavoured to suitably reward now that the war was over the sikh soldiers formed various projects to occupy their time for the future they would go and seize raja fatah shah and make him bow at the guru's feet and they would conquer and obtain the freedom of the country between panta and anandpur so as to remove the obstacles interposed 
in marching hither and thither this last enterprise as being the one that affected them most closely they specially urged on the guru's consideration the guru remonstrated and restrained them he bade them bide their opportunity their empire should yet extend far and wide he knew however that his troops would not sit down idle flushed as they were with their recent victory accordingly he gave them an order to return to anandpur an order with which they were delighted they all set forth accordingly taking their wounded and their baggage the guru marched by way of sadhara and laharpur he encamped at the latter place and was there met by the envoy of the raja of nahan who desired to come to meet him the guru sent his army to anandpur and remained himself with only a few followers to meet the raja the guru was fain to divert himself with the chase after his recent warfare and ample opportunities were afforded him in that part of the country during his stay in laharpur budu shah often visited him and held religious conversations with him though the raja of nahan very much desired to entertain the guru yet he apprehended the wrath of the other hill chiefs if he were known to be still on amicable terms with the high priest of the sikhs who had inflicted on them such a signal defeat the raja used to send a messenger daily to say that he was coming but somehow he was accidentally prevented he would however come on the morrow the raja carried on this method of procrastination from day to day at last he asked the advice of his ministers whether it was proper for him to meet the guru or not they advised him that it was not seeing that the guru was at enmity with all the hill chiefs were he now to meet the guru the chiefs would resent it and probably make war on him on this the raja sent a messenger to say he was very busy and could not go himself to meet the guru but he would send his chief minister to do him the honours of the state the guru did not conceal his knowledge of the raja's motives and sent him a message that he would now continue his journey to anandpur and the raja need not give himself any further concern on the subject of an interview the guru stayed altogether thirteen days at laharpur the principal inhabitants were rangars thieves by instinct and profession who stole two of his camels when the rangars refused to give up the booty the guru sent for a fakir who lived near and told him to go under pretence of begging to the house of a certain rangar and see whether the camels were there the fakir went saw the camels and duly reported his discovery the guru sent for the rangar in possession and told him to act as an honest man and give up the camels otherwise he would oust him from house and home on this the rangar parted with the stolen property the guru called the rangar's village counterfeit and the fakir's village genuine and said the fakir's village should ever gain and the rangars ever lose the prophecy of the guru has been fulfilled a temple called toka was subsequently constructed in laharpur in honour of the guru's visit as the guru proceeded to anandpur he was met by the rani of 
Raipur, who waited for him on his route after making her obeisance she asked him to take rest at her capital the guru gladly accepted her invitation she showed him the greatest hospitality and sent her son to him with an offering of a bag of rupees at a subsequent interview she entreated the guru to pray that her son's line might permanently endure the guru said that her son ought to allow his hair to grow and perfect himself in the practice of arms the rani replied that the turks were in power and she was afraid to allow her son to dress differently from them the guru exhorted her not to be afraid the rule of the turks should only last for a brief period when my sect groweth more numerous and obtaineth possession of the empire of the turks it shall then adopt long hair as a distinction and when the line of the turks is extirpated thine shall remain in undiminished dignity it shall then unite with the khalsa and obtain all happiness upon this the guru took his sword and shield and presented them to the rani's son he said take them and treat them with respect so that when the time of trouble ariseth thy wishes may be fulfilled and thy life and property preserved the rani was delighted with the guru's presence and words and thus addressed him great king great are thy gifts who can deprive us of them it is thy unswerving duty to hold thyself bound by the bonds of love for the human race and thou art moreover merciful and compassionate the rani seeing that the guru had made the gift with his own sacred hands was filled with delight and taking the sword and shield put them respectfully on her head and then touched her son's head with them she bound a coverlet on a couch and placed the weapons reverently on it after this the guru continued his journey to anandpur on the way the guru halted at karatpur where gulab ray and sham das the grandsons of guru har gobind came to visit him he there visited the shrines of his ancestors when it became known that the guru was returning to anandpur the inhabitants of that city came forth to receive him and there were unusual rejoicings on his safe and glorious return not long afterwards complaints began to be made against the guru's troops to raja bim chand whenever the guru's men did not accompany him to the chase they used to go hunting in detached groups by themselves the guru at that time set about the construction of a fort and made a strong and lofty battlement around it raja bim chand was greatly irritated by the numerous complaints he continually received against the sikhs he took counsel with his minister what shall we do we are not strong enough to contend with the guru but how long are we to endure this annoyance the minister replied o raja i see no solution of the difficulty except reconciliation with the guru all the other principal state officers who were consulted gave similar replies bim chand then decided that he would send an envoy to ascertain if the guru had any intention of making an abiding peace with him the envoy who was selected from the most polished officials of the state duly delivered his master's message praying for peace and forgetfulness of the past the guru replied i have not fallen out with raja bim chand but he hath fallen out with me 
see what deceit he exercised in his efforts to obtain my elephant when his marriage procession went to srinagar he endeavoured to kill my minister and his troops it was only by god's special favour they escaped even then thy raja left nothing undone against us for he incited fatah shah who had been my friend to make war on us here again god protected us and we obtained the victory o envoy our army hath taken possession of no fort or village of yours my troopers are grievously in want of grass for their horses and goats flesh for themselves these can only be obtained from your villages if we do not obtain them on payment we must starve but we do not desire to accept anything else from you the envoy smiled and said consider raja bim chand's country as thine own he is very anxious to meet thee and if thou permit me i will conduct him here the guru replied in guru nanak's house men meet their deserts if any one with lowly mind enter therein he shall be happy but if any one lifting his head too high enter it his life shall pay the forfeit then plainly tell thy raja that if he entertain friendly intent he may come to me and he shall be received with due consideration the raja was very pleased on receiving this message and at once made elaborate preparations for his visit to the guru when bim chand was introduced into the guru's presence he said o true guru thy name is cherisher of those who seek thy protection i pray thee to pardon and forget any foolish words i might have uttered or any foolish acts i might have done the guru replied o raja i have not been thine aggressor the aggression hath been all on thy side if thou act fairly towards the guru he will act fairly towards thee bim chand promised to act for the future according to the guru's wishes upon this the guru gave him a magnificent robe of honour and dismissed him highly delighted with the interview the guru's wife sundari now presented him with a son named ajit singh on the fourth day of the bright half of magh sambat seventeen forty three a d sixteen eighty seven end of chapter six